Welcome into the GT Counter Podcast. This is part two of the college football season preview. My co-host Grayson Winters is here. Grayson, how we doing? Oh, we're feeling good, man. We're feeling good. It was a a, a long a, a long Monday for uh, for us working people out here. Um, you know, it was it was just another one of those days. But we're happy to we're happy to be on live, ready to record, and uh, we're excited to go over some uh, some of the bigger. Uh, conferences in college football this year you got to get that out of the dirt every day great man out of the dirt every day and joining us again for part two of the preview is host of the Moneyline masterclass podcast our guy reed roloffs is here reed what's good what's going on boys happy to be here round two um again grayson glad to hear you have a job so um sounds like things are going well for you over there but uh another great day to be alive you know, man, not all of us get to wake up at 9.30 and brush our teeth and open up our remote laptop, all right? I'm sure you're working really hard at your remote job. Thank God for Ooh. coming to him, huh, Reed? Living the dream, great man. Living the dream. Shots fired. Good grief. All right. Without wasting any more time, let's get straight into it. We've got three elite conferences to preview today. Well, two, and then we'll hit a grab bag of some uh, – small schools that we need to hit. But starting off with the Pac-12, we lead off with the favorite of the conference. We've got USC right around 2-1 to one to win the conference. We saw them a bit this weekend, hit on them a bit in yesterday's pod, so we will kind of be brief with the favorites in the conference. But read uh, Cliff Notes' version. What can we expect out of USC this year? You know, they bring back the Heisman winner from last year, Caleb Williams. Um, he's – You'd have to imagine got him even better than he was last year this offseason. Going to have a pretty dynamic offense. You'd have to imagine the question is going to be, can they stop anybody on defense? Um, If week zero was any indication, um, it's looking like a no, but obviously it's a long season. They got time to gel. Uh, They got talented guys over there. There are a lot of four and five stars, but um, it's a matter of piecing it together. So, um, not overly optimistic that they are going to be able to stop the elite in, you know, Oregon and Washington, but time will tell. A lot can change. You know, the, the USC flow chart is real simple for me. It's, is Alex Grinch still defensive coordinator? If the answer is yes, then are they contender? No, they are not. It is real simple. So that has not changed. They're uber talented on both sides of the ball, but I just think coaching defensively is going to hold them back. So uh, they're same story, different year for USC. Grayson, you got anything to add? You'll see the Trojans up close and personal with your Irish this year. You know, USC is one of those teams, high-powered offense, like Reed's saying, and it's your it's your typical Lincoln-Riley team, the team that he always had at OU when he was the coach. You got a really good offense and a defense that isn't worth uh, – the Charmin Ultra Soft they used to, uh, you know. Um, so they're, uh, they're. I mean, I see them as a first team out in the uh, in the college football playoffs, and I don't. I mean, if they even win the Pac-12, so got a couple other teams in mind that could potentially win, but I'm sure we'll we'll get to those other teams in a second. What a perfect segue there, because if we're not buying USC, that means we have to buy somebody else. And that leads us right to the Washington Huskies, right about three to one to win the conference. They, of course, it's a tough schedule. Everybody in the Pac-12 plays all the big dogs. So you're not getting any schedule lottery breaks there. But 
Michael Penix back with Coach Kalen DeBoer for another year. Excellent system. They put up points like crazy. They're a veteran team, and they bring back a lot of experience on both lines of scrimmage. So, read it. Is this the year that we can get a Washington future across the finish line? Is Are they a playoff team, perhaps? Yeah, I think they they had their time uh, well, close to eight years ago when they were uh, in the college world playoff and took a little bit of a, a downhill, uh, slow decline since then. But they've built up the program under Kalen DeBoer, um, who's going to be entering his fourth year. Um, done a fantastic job. The offense is phenomenal. That's, that's where they make their money. Um, Michael Penix, like you mentioned, coming over from Indiana, um, has sparked this team. Really fun to watch. They got a great receiving core, so a lot to love on offense. And again, probably the question is going to come down to the defense. I think they fare um, a little better than USC in that category, but again, a lot to like about the Washington Huskies. If this might be their year, Grayson, are we going to make it two for two on the Husky bandwagon this this podcast? I think I like the Huskies this year. I think I like uh, Michael Penix Jr. to potentially win the Heisman Trophy as well. If he has a good season and they come out and they win the Pac-12, he's uh, he's definitely could be a big time candidate in that watch list. So, yeah, I'm on the I'm on the Washington bandwagon a little bit. I'll make it three for three. I am buying the Huskies this year. They have a manageable non-conference schedule. With they have Boise State at home. They play Michigan State, but it's a neutral site game and a, a year that Michigan State's going to be pretty down. I think the big one, you get November 4th, you go to USC. I think that's probably game of the year right there. But, you know, I think the Huskies have the talent offensively and can hold up enough defensively. So I will take the Huskies to win the Pac-12. I think it's good value there. And sneaky Michael Penix Heisman and sneaky uh, playoff contender there. I love the Huskies this year. So if we're buying the uh, Washington Huskies, that means we're probably selling somebody else, which leads us into Oregon, the Ducks with Bo Nix at the helm. You have Coach Lanning out there in his second year. You know, there's these billboards all around. Apparently Bo Nix is bodacious. I mean, it's just the worst marketing campaign I've ever seen in my life, but kudos for them for trying to drum up the votes there. Uh, what do we think? Is is Bo Nix able to lead this team to potentially double-digit wins and maybe sneak in a Pac-12 conference title game? You know, it's hard to see. Um, I really like Oregon's roster. I'm just not a Bo Nix guy. You know, it's hard to forget some of the images that you watched when you saw him at Auburn. And it's just, you look at him and Oregon had a great year last year, 10-3, and 7-2 uh, in the conference. Um, it's just going to come down to, can Bo Nix elevate them? Uh, I've seen first round draft pick talk for him. I don't see it personally, uh, but they got a great roster. It wouldn't surprise me if they were in contention. Um, again, I think it's going to come down to the defense. Um, it's year two in the defense for uh, defense coordinator Tosh Lapoy. So again, I think a lot of this conference, a lot of great offenses, um, who's going to step in on defense and, and lead the charge there? Yeah, Grayson, it seems like the Pac-12 is real offense-heavy. This doesn't change with Oregon, but, uh, you know, what do you think about Bo Nix? You know, I'm not the world's biggest Bo Nix fan either. I would have to agree with the both of you on that. Um, seeing him play years at Auburn, and I was excited when he went over to 
Oregon and then they play Georgia in week one last year and just get absolutely uh, manhandled. I mean, it's it's unbelievable to watch that game. Big game, I mean, what, game of the week last year, I believe. and Or actually maybe was Notre Dame, Ohio State game of the week last year during that week? I don't remember. I, I think they were both that week, but I think one of them was early and one of them was late. And they were both kind of horrible, to be completely honest. Hey, the Notre Dame game was close. Notre Dame choked late. It was closer than this. It wasn't as close as the score made it look. It's it's not important. The DT from Ohio State had his way. Um, Anyways, that's besides the point. Uh, Oregon, good football team, good roster, like Reed was saying. Not sold on Bo Nix. It'll be interesting to see how their matchup in week two against Tech. I think that they could have uh, their hands full with that uh, Texas Tech team that everybody's so high on this year. I agree with you there. Tough spot too, but uh, you know I think Oregon is just going to be good, not great, but a team that definitely nobody will want to face coming down the stretch of the season for sure. Uh, I think, I mean, fourth in line here, we have to talk about the two-time defending Pac-12 champion Utah Utes. Uh, big one this opening week against Florida at home with potentially no Cam Rising. Basically, that is what I believe their whole season comes down to is the health of their guy. Cam Rising, we know who he is. He's a warrior. He'll battle it out through the end, but you got to keep him healthy and you got to keep him upright in order to have any chance of the Pac-12 at all. So what do we think, Reed? Can they go for three for three with Cam Rising and, and Coach Whittingham out there? Yeah, I think it's going to be it's tough for anybody to go three for three. Um, but when you don't have your, your quarterback healthy to start the year, um, there is there is concern there. Obviously, non-conference might not matter as much. Obviously, you want to start off hot, but um, I don't really think who it matters who they put at quarterback against Florida. I think they come away with the win there, regardless. But you know, I think there are too many talented teams in the Pac-12. Um, but I love Kyle Whittingham. I, he, he coaches and he overachieves every single year. It seems like he's not getting five stars to come to Utah. Um, he finds a way, regardless, to pull his team together and find a way to win games. So it, it wouldn't shock me at all if they were able to three-peat. But, again, uh, they're not my favorite. Uh, but, again, Whittingham is, is unbelievable. So I don't think I can be shocked either way. Grayson, you a big uh, Cam Rising guy out there? I think I'm going to give maybe a, an unpopular opinion on – on this, I love Cam Rising, but I think that if he doesn't play, that Utah might be a middle, middle of the uh, middle of the uh, pack team in the Pac-12. I think that the Pac-12 is pretty, pretty top heavy, and if Cam Rising isn't playing and second string quarterbacks hurt at the moment, if they're playing with the third stringer, I couldn't imagine them being a. They'll, they'll win eight games, but I couldn't imagine them being an upper, an upper tier team competing for a Pac-12 championship. So. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Utah is primed for a slow start. They get Florida at home, which, you know, no cam rising. That could be closer than a lot of people think. And then week two, coming off that game, they go to Baylor. Baylor's a feisty team. Coach Dave Aranda out there has, runs a good program. So, you know, maybe potentially a split to start the year, maybe sneak out two wins there. But, you know, I think Utah is going to be a team, once again, that nobody wants to face down the stretch. They're tough. Hard nose and and they they've won two in a row for a reason. So I will uh, I will not count out the Utes of Utah this year. So those are really the class of the conference. There's a good discussion to be had with Oregon State. 
with DJU out there now. They definitely have the talent up front. Reed, you're shaking your head. You love you love the beeves this year, huh? Huge beef guy over here. Let me tell you, um, Jonathan Smith coming in as the head coach, entering his fourth year, done an outstanding job. Uh, won 10, 10 games last year. It's their first double-digit win season since 2006. So they're doing something right over there at Oregon State. What do you do? You bring in DJU from Clemson. Um, you know, he maybe hasn't lived up to what he was supposed to be, but still such a massive talent upgrade to what they've had. Um, return maybe the best offensive line in the Pac-12 and have an unbelievable rushing attack. I think they're going to run over everyone this fall. Um, lose a few pieces on defense. They were actually the leader in total defense last year in the Pac-12. Um, so some pieces there might hurt, but wouldn't shock me at all if they're right back in contention, if they can figure things out defensively. Some of the new guys who are not as experienced, but I, I love Oregon State this year. They're they're a sleeper um, pick just because they do things a little bit differently comparative to the other teams that like to throw the ball around. So it uh, could be a good change of pace, and I'm definitely taking the over on Oregon State this year. Yeah, I'm interested in that game against uh, Oregon in the uh, game formerly known as the Civil War. I think that Oregon State might have a uh, a fighting chance this year. Grayson, what do you have? I think I'm going to switch paths a little bit here. Reed's talking about a fourth-year head coach. I'm talking about a fourth-year head coach and Chip Kelly with the UCLA. Big UCLA guy this year. I know they got a new quarterback taking over the helm, but I'm I'm big on Chip Kelly. I know he knows how to run a run a football program, and I think he's he's a dynasty kind of coach. He's a coach that's going to come in and he's going to get you a lot of wins. So I'm big on the on the Bruins this year. I'll be interested to see how they perform without DTR. He was such the heartbeat of that program for the last five years, but I think you're onto something there. If you give Chip Kelly enough talented guys, I think he has enough talent as a, as a coach to be able to turn them into something. But, uh, you know, we'll, it's a big wait and see for me on the Bruins. But one another team that I can't wait to see this year, Coach Prime has hit Boulder. We've got the Colorado Buffaloes this year. Surprisingly low win total. If you're just looking at it from the outside, it's around three and a half. But so much turnover they got in the portal the most out of anybody this year. Coach Prime bringing in his guys and their Louis. And uh, so, you know, Reed, I know you're big on Coach Prime. What do we think out of the bus this year? They've they've got a tough schedule, but, you know, what do we think about Coach Prime being able to potentially string together some wins year one? Yeah, I think it's – only a matter of time before Colorado is uh, talked about with obviously more success than they've been. They, I mean, they've been horrible. They've been the worst team in college football for a number of years. Um, I, I think that Dion will turn them around, but again, it's a brutal schedule this year. Um, the talent upgrade that they've brought is, has been significant. Um, I think they are so much more talented than they have been. So they got that going for them. But again, brutal schedule it's at three and a half it might sound like that's an automatic over but then again you look at the schedule and it, it's hard to say so um don't love this either way love gonna gonna love watching travis hunter play this year but um again that's that's not gonna be something that i i want to venture into at all yeah, well you know who is not going to enjoy travis hunter playing this year that is one grayson winners go ahead gray 
Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not huge on Colorado this year. I don't think that they're going to have a very good season. Um, Travis Hunter is definitely not going to be the uh, the guy for them to make to make the switch. They're going to need a lot more than him to be a, a competitive team in this conference. Tough schedule, like Reed was saying. Big on Coach Prime. Love his philosophy in a lot of ways. Um, think that he could he could have a good team, but they're not going to build cohesion. Pulling guys out of the transfer portal, they need to build a culture out in out in Boulder, and there's only one way to do that. So, I'm with you there. So, I think that just about wraps up all the uh, worthwhile teams. We've got Arizona State with a bowl ban, but I don't think they're consequential enough to matter. A few coaching changes, a few coaches on the hot seat. But Reed, I'll kick it to you. What are some of your best bets for the uh, the Pac-12 conference this coming season? Yeah, starting off, we talked about Washington. Um, I love Washington over nine and a half. That gives them two games to kind of figure things out defensively. Um, they can drop two and still hit that over. So, um, love Washington over nine and a half at plus one twenty-five. I think that's great value there. Um, and I mentioned it. I, I love Oregon State. Um, the line set at eight and a half. I think they win nine this year at plus one twenty-four. Those are my two favorites there in the Pac-12. Um, don't love a ton of the other lines, but um, definitely rocking with the Beavs. I like it. I like it. I will join you on the Huskies. This is a full Husky podcast. We like the Washington Huskies. I'm taking a little bit of a risk. I'll take them to win the Pac-12 conference title game right about 3-1, to one, plus 330 is what I have it at. Just think that's good value on the money line there. Just to be top two in the conference, that number won't be high whether they play USC or Utah or Oregon. So I think the value is there. And I like the Huskies, man. I Michael Penix is a guy. And with Coach Kalen DeBoer there, I think they'll be able to put up points with anybody just with a better defense than USC. Then a couple of sells that I have. Stanford's going to be horrible this year. I saw uh, they're traveling to the island on uh, – September the 1st, which, you know, the Hawaii test is a tough test for anybody, but especially for the tree. I mean, that line opened, Stanford was favored by about a touchdown, eight points, nine points, somewhere in there. That's down to Stanford, only favored by about a field goal, maybe four points. So if you uh, read into things like that, you might uh, potentially think that Vegas and the boys out there might be onto something. So I'm taking Stanford under three wins this year. I think in a in a transition year under a new head coach, new regime. I just think that they'll be more worried about the culture. And then in my uh, dumpster fire of the year, we'll take the California golden bears of Berkeley under five wins. Wouldn't it all be shocked if they lose to North Texas coming up here week one in Denton, which is a fun game. Shout out to Cal for traveling for that, but uh, not buying Cal this year. And I think, that could be an early coach firing. That that can be my uh, early call there. But uh, good stuff on the the Pac-12. Also, rest in peace to the Pac-12. You were gone before we hardly knew you. It's a real shame. But uh, it'll be fun next year getting a uh, the Big Ten West West out there. So coming up next, we have to talk about the conference where it just means more. We're headed south. We're going to the SEC land of Georgia, the Bulldogs, and we will see if they can repeat once again. That'll be coming up after this short break. Welcome back. We've got the SEC where apparently it just means more down there for whatever reason. I don't know. I'll find out next year when my horns travel to the SEC, but 
we've got to start off with the reigning national champions, the Georgia Bulldogs, who are heavily favored to win the SEC, right about even money, minus 110, which feels a bit ridiculous for the talent level across the conference. But if you look at Georgia's roster up and down, it's it's pretty stacked. I think they are one of the most quarterback-proof teams in all of Power 5 football. Stetson, or, uh, Stetson Bennett, geez, Stetson Bennett is out the door this year. They bring in Carson Beck, but the system's in place. They have Brock Bowers, great offensive line, great defense. I mean, Reed, what's, uh, what's potentially out there to stop the Bulldogs from going back-to-back? Yeah, you ha- you nailed it on the head right there. There's nothing. <laughs> Nobody's going to stop Georgia in the regular season. Um, super easy schedule. Truthfully, they, they play Tennessee. Um, that's about, on paper, maybe their only test. Um, I found it shocking that you can get Georgia to go undefeated for plus money this year at plus 116. So um, I'm all over that. I don't think they... I mean, there might not be a game on, within 10 points all year. I feel that confidently about Georgia this year. Um, don't think it'll be close. Again, but Tennessee is the toughest test, and, and they seem like they might take a step back. Uh, I'm loving the Bulldogs once again. Their defense is going to come ready to play, as they always do. And, again, they're Georgia, so you know they're well coached. Grayson, what do you got on the Bulldogs this year? Great program down there in Athens. Oh, man, on offensive line, that is about as good as they come this year. I don't think you get much better until you reach an NFL team from this point. This Georgia Bulldogs offensive line's got four returners coming back, big dudes on the board, um, guys that are guys that are potential watch list guys. I, I said earlier, I said in the previous podcast that really like Texas's offensive line, um, I like Georgia's better. Georgia's got some dogs up front. I think uh, Carson Beck, potential Heisman dude, if they go undefeated and he has a season, no way you can keep him out of the watch list. Um, yeah, big on, the, big on the Georgia Bulldogs. I'm with you. I mean, I there's going to be a sleepy spot this year. You just got to find it if you're into uh, the betting side of things. There's going to be a sleepy spot. They'll play it, you know, noon local time against, you know, maybe Kentucky or somebody. They'll be favored by three touchdowns, and they'll they'll find themselves down 21-14 at halftime. And you just got to find that spot if you're interested in in fading the Bulldogs. I just don't see it this year. With uh, There's no reason for them not to be 12-0 and and not to go back-to-back and win the SEC. They, they're about as legit as they come, and, and Kirby Smart has built something truly spectacular out there. So as much as I'd like to find a weakness with them, it's just they're too good. They, maybe the speeding tickets catch up to them. That's about it. You know, maybe the local law enforcement pull, pull some uh, quick ones. But, you know, I think Georgia is about as bulletproof as they come team-wise this year. From the most quarterback-proof team in the conference to potentially the least, we have the Alabama Crimson Tide, right about 3-1 to one to win the SEC, second in line to Georgia. I mean, it pretty much comes down to quarterback this year for Bama, doesn't it? It's Jalen Milrow. It's Tyler Buckner. We got a bit of Jalen Milrow last year when Bryce Young was hurt. Really good runner. Still a lot to be desired passing-wise. But, you know, is Bama's kind of getting slept on this year with the talent of LSU and Georgia. Is this a year that Bama can sneak up and uh, maybe find an SEC conference title win there, Reed? 
I know you mentioned that this might be the year to sleep on Bama. I think I, I think I am going to take a nap on Alabama this year. Hard to do against Nick Saban, but uh, I, you just you don't love the quarterbacks they got in the room there. Um, I know offensive coordinator Tom Reese comes in, but I just I don't love what they have at quarterback. I know Milrow is a, a great athlete, but again, this is the SEC. When you go up against Georgia, you're going to have to put up. 30 points, 40 points sometimes to, to find a way to stay in those ball games. So, again, I say I'm going to sleep on Alabama. They're still going to find their way to, to 9 or 10 wins, but um, I don't think they are a college football playoff team this year. And, again, I think it's a little bit of a step back from Nick Saban. Not for others, but, but for Saban it is. You know, you hear some whispers about some offensive line trouble up front, maybe not as consistent as Coach Saban would like. Grayson, being an offensive line guy yourself, I mean, a Coach Saban team with a weak offensive line, that doesn't exactly give me the warm and fuzzies about their year. Oh, man. I've heard a lot of I've heard a lot of stuff from uh, in the in the links about uh, that offensive line not being as good as they've uh, they've been prior to. Uh, I'm not I'm not worried about. Alabama not having uh not having dudes though. I think that's just Saban having high expectations for a team that should be held with high expectations. Uh I, I like Alabama. I really like Tommy Reese, uh longtime Notre Dame dude, uh quarterback and offensive coordinator, moves over to a team that and I'll say it as a Notre Dame fan, a team that's gonna have better talent than a Notre Dame team. I think he's gonna be a, a big difference in that offense. And I think you're going to see an offense that might not have an amazing quarterback, but is going to have a killer offensive coordinator with a great play call to add to it. So I like Alabama. Do they have enough, uh, enough legs to beat Georgia in a SEC title game? Probably not. Could I see them in a playoff berth or a, or a first team out? Probably so. Yeah, that kind of feels like their range this year. Wouldn't be at all surprised if they avenged that loss from LSU last year. But, you know, I don't think they're true, true contenders until they get the quarterback position figured out. And I don't think that Milrow is going to be the answer there, but Tyler Buckner sure as heck isn't either. So, you know, I, I'll soft by them and say that I think they can go to an SEC championship game. Don't think they're a true contender to knock off Georgia, though, but. If there's one coach you don't want to see in a one-game scenario, I think it's Nick Saban. So you can't you can't completely rule him out. But uh, as Reed said, it might take a little nap on Bama this year. Nick Saban will appreciate us not laying the uh, the rat poison out for his guys. But uh, one team that does have a lot of rat poison out there in terms of the media love is the LSU Tigers. Right about plus four fifty to win the SEC. They have Jalen Daniels returning at quarterback. Really talented receiver group as always, you know, established offensive line up front. What do we think about the Tigers, Reed? Is this the year that they can can they go back to back with SEC title game appearances? Yeah, I know a lot of people are high on LSU this year. Frankly, I don't see it. Um, Brian Kelly has, you know, when it comes down to it, can put together a great regular season team. Um, I know he's at LSU this year, but. I'm not the biggest Daniels guy there is. Um, I think there are a few too many cracks in that team. Um, probably going to win a lot of regular season games, but when it comes down to it, I don't think they can compete. Uh, 
with Georgia. And again, they could still qualify um, and get in the playoff there, potentially as a four seed. But I just don't, I don't think they have what it takes to win it all. Um, still a really good team, but come playoff time, I'm, I'm selling stock there. Grayson, are you buying your, your ex-guy Brian Kelly down there in Baton Rouge? I am never Brian, uh, buying Brian Kelly. His offensive game plan to put under center every single play and run the air out of the ball is is not something that uh, that I'm a humongous fan of. Um, as an offensive lineman, yes, I understand to run the ball every single play is probably what we want, but it is not logical to do on third and eight. So, no, I'm not I'm not buying stock in LSU this year. Are they a ten win team? Probably, um, but I don't think they're uh, they're in the SEC title game. Fun one against Florida State week one. I think we'll find out a lot about LSU here early on. So going to be excited to see that one, but I'm kind of with y'all. I mean, I'm not a huge LSU fan this year. Somebody has to win the West, and maybe that opens up a spot further down. But, you know, I, th- I think between Bama and LSU, that's probably who's going to the uh, the conference title game out of the West there. So good stuff on the main contenders. We have to hit uh, a few of the kind of mid-pack contenders here you've got tennessee who of course excellent year last year under coach josh heupel you lose hendon hooker to the draft you lose a couple of your great receivers you lose a lot off of last year's team so they have to replenish rather quickly and you know a win total at around nine feels a bit high but playing out in the sec east not a terribly hard schedule really you just get georgia at home that's kind of makes or breaks you there but any reads on uh, on the Volunteers this year? I know uh, one Alan Payne will be interested to hear what uh, what we have here. But Reed, what do you have on the Vols? Yeah, I think that they're still going to be a pretty good team. Um, again, I think it comes down to quarterback Joe Milton. Um, I remember watching uh, when he was at Michigan opening opening the year against Minnesota during that COVID year. Um, that was probably the best game Milton played that year, as he was consequently benched later um not a milton guy i don't think that he's going to be able to replicate what hendon hooker did last year um again not the same receiving core although they do have some some talent uh in the receiving room but again i don't think that i think you're going to see a pretty significant drop off i think you're going to see how good hendon hooker really was last year um still win a lot of games but when it comes down to it not the same team that's probably going to be in alabama one of those two like last year. Yeah. You know, a Josh Heupel offense requires a lot of rhythm and timing and Bazooka Joe has an absolute cannon. You don't get that nickname for nothing, but you know, rhythm and timing isn't exactly what comes first to mind. It's more about, you know, just airing the ball out and sending it deep and pushing the, pushing the field. So I'll be interested to see what Tennessee is able to do. I do think they're still a solid team. I saw our friends at Action Network, uh, Colin Wilson, had them projected at six and a half wins, which feels a tad bit disrespectful. But, you know, I do think regressing could come for the Vols this year. So, Grayson, I know you wanted to hit on the Missouri Tigers. That's music to read and I's ears with the Missouri Tigers there. But what kind of stood out from the uh, Missouri Tigers offseason for you? Oh, well, Missouri just uh, established this new NIL uh, law that's it's basically pushing the NIL to a uh, to a new limit almost 
So this bill is called, they're, they're calling it the bring your own benefits is what, is what everybody's calling it right now. And essentially, uh, be, they become immediately eligible for NIL benefits if they sign with an in-state school. So if you sign, if you're a player from Missouri and you sign with the University of Missouri in high school, you immediately start getting NIL deals and you could start making money. That is a huge benefit for some of these guys, and it's a big way for Missouri to get some some big time commits. Definitely. Gotta gotta wonder how long it takes for other states to try to move in on that too. If you get to a football powerhouse state like like Texas, like California, like Florida, you know, how long will it be until some of those big schools start to try to throw around their weight a little bit to uh, win the recruiting battles to keep those uh, keep those kids in state? So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just touching on Missouri season while we're here, I do believe they have the potential to go over their total of six and a half wins. They bring back some good talent offensively. Coach Drink finally turning over play calling to a new OC, kind of get the lead out there. I, I, I'm buying the Tigers. Reed, I know you agree with me. Yeah, I love the Tigers this year. Six and a half feels awfully low. Um, we saw what they were capable of last year. Um, when they played Georgia, giving them the, probably the biggest scare of the season for them. Um, I think this is the year they put it all together. They take another step. They keep building. Um, love over six and a half for sure. Then we've got to hit Ole Miss. Coach Kiffin down there coming to the sip. You know, we hit on this a little bit yesterday with the Oklahoma State portion of the podcast. You've got Spencer Sanders in there running amok with Jackson Dart trying to battle it out for a starting job. You know, as of recording this, Coach Kiffin hasn't named a starter, allegedly, although it sure looks like Jackson Dart is going to be the guy. Um, You know, I kind of think Ole Miss has a chance to make some noise. Maybe if you're looking for a an outsider to try to crash the party there in a you know somewhat of a, a weaker division than we're used to. But Reed, what do you think about the Rebs, man? Do you think uh, do you think Jackson Dart is the way, or does that change if Spencer Sanders is the guy? You know, I think they are fortunate to have two really experienced quarterbacks back there um, as. As a coach, you love that luxury. As a player, maybe not so much. But again, their totals at seven and a half. I think Ole Miss is going to be pretty dang good over there in the SEC. Um, again, talented roster. I think that they're being a little bit undervalued right now. Um, I think the SEC overall maybe a little worse than they've been in years previous. And I think Ole Miss might be one of the teams to step up a little bit. Quinshawn Judkins was freshman of the year last year at running back, and he's back for more behind an experienced O-line. Lane Kiffin loves to spread it out and run the football, so I think I think that with that offensive line and the talented running back there, I think they could be in for some success on the ground, which opens up a lot of that play-action pass for, for the offense there, regardless of who the quarterback is. But I'm with you there. I'll buy, I'll buy Ole Miss. Another team that we want to buy – led by notorious bad guy Hugh Freeze. We've got the Auburn Tigers. They're sitting at six and a half total wins. You know, Hugh Freeze is widely regarded as one of the best game planners in football, but, you know, again, terrible human being. What can we expect out of Auburn this year with the first-year guy in Hugh Freeze? Yeah, I. it's hard to know when, when a coach comes in to a completely different place. Um Really did a great job at Liberty, um, kind of put them back on the map there. Um, but again, 
really is going to be hard to know coming in first year. It's hard for me to ever take a, a team and, and take their over with a first year coach. Um, you know, every kind of coach handles it differently in terms of prioritizing the future versus what they have now. So uh, don't have a lot to say, but as always, going to be an interesting year watching Hugh Freeze and what he does there. It is not going to disappoint, that's for sure. Be interested to see how they play Bama this year in the Iron Bowl. But uh, beyond that, I mean, we've got to hit Mississippi State. Coach Leach, rest in peace. They bring in a new guy there. Uh, Prime for a letdown, I believe, with uh, a lot of the tragedy that hit that program last year. And then, of course, Texas A&M, which I believe has the most blow-up potential in the entire SEC. You get Jimbo down there at head coach. Bobby Petrino, who's a known instigator down there. It, I mean, I'm just saying the the ingredients are there for a full. It's going to be like human Chernobyl if they lose to uh, if they lose to Miami in week two. It could be truly spectacular seeing the blow up. But they have Evan Stewart, a really talented receiver. Connor Wegman is back at quarterback, so a little bit of stability there offensively. But you know, AM kind of falls in line with they are who we think they are. And uh, Johnny Menzel is not walking through that door anytime soon. So kind of hard to buy anything going on down there in uh, College Station. So uh, with that said, I think let's go ahead and run through the the best bets of the SEC. Reed, go ahead and start us out. What do you have? Yeah, I know we touched on uh, Missouri. I love over six and a half. Um, just finished up with Ole Miss over seven, seven and a half. Um, also, really do love my under on Florida, my my disdain for Florida. Don't think they're a good ball club. Um, I have them under five and a half for plus 125. And again, I know we touched on it earlier, Georgia to go undefeated um, at plus money. You take the money there. I cannot wait to see Graham Mertz outside of the state of Wisconsin. There, It's going to be something to see. I can promise it won't be boring. It probably won't be good, but it won't be boring either, but. I agree with you there. I also like Ole Miss to go over the total there of seven and a half. I like Auburn over the six and a half as well. And I'm with you on Missouri over the six and a half. I like what the squad that they're building there with Coach Drink. And then I will take Georgia to win the SEC title game at minus 110. A little bit rough on value there at the minus 110 number, but I can promise you that it won't be that on them to win it straight up when the time comes. So. We'll take, we'll bite the bullet and we'll take Georgia minus 110 to win the SEC. Good stuff there. I think coming up next, we need to hit a couple of the small schools, more of a, a quick hits kind of on the best bets there. But, you know, watch the small schools. There's a lot of fun going on there, a lot of chaos. So we'll try to sort through it and uh, give you some of our favorites for the upcoming season coming up. Welcome back to the GT Counter Podcast. We've got some small school chaos here. A lot of fun with the small schools out there. You know, if you have your ESPN Plus subscription or if you know where to find a jailbroken fire stick like somebody on this podcast, uh, you can find any game that you want out there. So a lot of fun out there. We'll kind of go around the horn here. We'll just kind of go through uh, some schools that we're interested in seeing, either for the positive or the negative. And I will start off with none other than the UAB Blazers down there in Birmingham. They just came off a relatively successful campaign and decided to fire their head coach for some reason, which is a bit strange. They were in the Bahamas Bowl last year. They resurrected their program from the dead. 
they built something good there, and they decided to torpedo it all by bringing in Trent Dilfer, who was last seen on ESPN saying, you can't know how to lose and still win. So, I mean, it's the blowout potential is there. They've got a rough schedule. I mean, they're playing NCA&T to start the year, which probably a bit of a cakewalk there, but in a rough conference, I've got it at four and a half. I bit of a little bit of juice. I took some juice in to to get to that four and a half instead of five. So I've got plus 124 on under four and a half. I can't wait to root for the chaos and I will be here for it. So that is my first best bet there. I've got UAB under four and a half for plus money. Let's kick it around the horn. We'll go to Reed. What do you have for us? Yeah, I'm going to talk about Coastal Carolina. Uh, and that's for one reason. They got maybe the best QB in the G5. I love Grayson McCall. Um, the guy's a legend. Decided to come back. Um, I think he's an NFL guy. I think he could be a great uh, backup quarterback, even push some stars on some teams. I love Grayson McCall. Uh, it's really hard to bet against Coastal um, when I think they have the best player on the field, regardless. So I love Coastal to win the Sun Belt at plus 550. Um, again, I- I'm trusting I'm trusting my guy, Grayson, to make a play. Really good value on the shots there. We like that. Grayson, not related to Grayson McCall, but it'd be cool if you were. Uh, Grayson, what do you have for us with your uh, your small school grab bag? I'm going to take uh, Colorado State Rams to go over four and a half out of the Mountain West. I think they have an easier easier schedule this year. Um, they're, a te- they're a team that's up and coming. I think they're going to be a good team. Give them a couple of years. Um, good defense this upcoming season. Offense something that might lack, but I still think easy enough schedule to pull out at least five wins. I agree with you there. I actually, they play at Colorado week three, I believe. That Look out for an upset special there with the Rams going into Boulder. In-state rivalry, tensions are always high. You, you know they want to stick it to Coach Prime, so I like that there. We'll keep going around the horn here. One of my favorite Favorite bets for this year is Middle Tennessee State under six and a half wins for even money. If you just looked at the start of their schedule, they play four straight power five teams on the road in those bye games. You're looking at a real possibility of 0-4. And And by the time you get through those games, you're just tired. You've been through it. You've been through a washing machine of just guys who are bigger, stronger, faster than you. It can get discouraging. So this is truly a schedule play that – the Blue Raiders were a solid team last year, but I think this year they lost the schedule. I think it's just going to be too much to overcome. So do I think they can sneak in to get six wins and get bowl eligible? Of course, they're a solid team, but six and six gets the job done for me. So we will go under six and a half on the Blue Raiders there, and we will keep sending it around the horde and read. Yeah, uh, I'm sticking with the same kind of theme here. Um, when it gets to small schools, Give me the best quarterback. Uh, Love Western Kentucky and Austin Reed there. Um, He's going to throw the ball 50 times a game, throw for 400 yards. Uh, I love Western Kentucky to win the conference at plus 125, I think. Again, he also had a chance to go play uh, at a bunch of Power 5 schools and um, decided to stay and true to his roots there at Western Kentucky. So, uh, again, I love them to win the conference at plus 125. We like that. We like that. Uh, Gray, you got anything else small school-wise, or was that your only one back there? I got you one more right here. I got 
you know, big Texas guy for me, like to make my way on down into Denton and talk about the North Texas mean green. Uh, don't like them. They don't like them this year. Kind of a tough schedule in that American conference. Um, two early games, they got to go and play Cal, move on, play Florida International, and then go and play Louisiana Tech, a very easily going 0-3 off the rip. Um, don't see them winning more than five and a half. Their they're line's at five and a half games. I don't see them winning five. Gosh, it's like you read my mind, Grayson. I am also on the fade the mean green train. I got him at six. I bought it up to six just because I wanted to to cover my bases on a squeaking out bowl eligible there. But I'm with you. Coaching change when they really didn't need it. You know, it's it's a tough conference they've got, and you know they've got Cal coming off the bat where they're touchdown touchdown underdog at home. So I'm with you there. We're we're fading the mean green. Another one that I like. Could be. Well, wrong. go ahead. Go ahead. I could be wrong, but I think Jason Bean graduated, didn't he? He's gone. He is gone, yes. They're bringing in in a new quarterback there as well, so that's going to be an interesting spot to be put in for the Mean Green. New system, new guys. It's going to be a tough situation to come try to win right off the bat with. Continuing the theme of uh, being Husky admirers on this podcast, we're taking UConn. We're taking the Huskies. We're going over five wins for the Huskies. Last year they snuck into ball eligibility. They really didn't lose much off of last year's team. Coach Jim Mora has a great program building up there, kind of revived them from the dead. And they get a chance to start it off week one. They get NC State at home. Um, give me the Huskies. There's no reason why that number should be as low, it is, low as it is. Over five. We like the Huskies around here, and we're keeping that train going. I like it. Yeah, I, I like the Huskies too. Um, I'm going to switch gears here. Um I got about two more um, that will tie together. Um, I like Toledo to win their conference at, at plus 180. Um, I think they have probably the best roster there. Uh, just not very well coached. Um, again, th- that, that is an issue. Um, I think when you're playing in small school like that, you hope that the talent can overcome that. So uh, kind of tying that in uh, as well with Boise State to win their conference. Um don't love the Mountain West in general. I uh, think they have experience across the board. Uh, bring back quarterback Taylor Green. So uh, I also think Boise State to win their conference at plus 210. We like that there. And then, you know, we've got to finish it up with a couple of, of long shots to win the conference. I will join you in the MAC, but I will not take Toledo. I'm going to ride with the Miami of Ohio squad plus 800 to win the Mac. They were, they were great in 2021 Rocky Lombardi still there. in what feels like his 24th year of college, you know, regression came for him last year. So it was tough to see that record, but I think regression in the positive direction is due for them this year. H one. That's a good number in the Mac. Can't wait to sweat those out on Tuesdays. I mean, you got to have something there, right? You got to keep yourself interested and, I think that Miami of Ohio is a good choice there. And then lastly, we got to end it with a personal favorite of mine, the Roadrunners of UTSA. Meep, meep down there in the Alamo Dome. Coach Jeff Trailer has got a great program going down there. Frank Harris is back for another year, although it did come out that he was considering medically retiring this past offseason, which admittedly, not great to hear from your guy, but... 
His rehab went well from his knee surgery. He's back for more. Coming into the American, good number at plus 470 to win the American. Basically just comes down to Toledo. Or not Toledo. What am I thinking? My mind is still on Ohio up there. Basically comes down to Tulane. They go to Tulane down there in Louisiana. So game of the year right there. But I think at that number, with that level of experience and that good coaching staff, give me the meat meeps. Reed, I know you agree with me. Yeah, I love meat meat myself. Um, I Like you mentioned, Frank Harris, the guy's fun to watch. Um, you know, it's, it's again, that's kind of been my theme. Uh, it's a team with, with the quarterback that you think is the best player on the field. Um, same story there. I know they lose some receivers um, from what they've had. Uh, I still think that, that Frank is going to lead them, if not win it, uh, pretty dang close. So I like the value there as well. I agree with you. Grayson, you got anything else from the uh, from anything we've discussed over the last few conferences in this group of five grab bag? Uh, what sticks out to you for this year? I'm going to give you one more uh, long shot team. I'm going to go with uh, Coach Calhoun and Air Force this year. That defense was letting up 3.4 points a game last year. Give me them plus 400 to win the Mountain West. I'm sorry, did you say 3.4 points? 13.4. Ah, okay. <laughs> I was about to say, they're good not, they're grief. Not psych- they're not psychotic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not psychopaths out there. They're just the Air Force, all right? Um, you know we support the air troops around here. It's unfortunate you couldn't support the water troops with Navy last week, but that's okay. We'll forgive your Irish for that one. <laughs> all right, on the way out here, give me a bold take for this year. Something that something that's bold, definitely not something that's a predictable thing, but we'll just go real quick. Reed, starting with you as the guest, bold take for this year. Yeah, this might be a little unorthodox. Um, I will tell you, I'm a little emotional about the, the Pac-12 here, what's going on with the Pac-12. Um, late night, Pac-12, nothing better than and coming home. It, it's 12 o'clock, and you're like, there's still football on. Thank you, Pac-12. And, you know, this is our last year to kind of cherish that moment. Um, uh, I think it's a great conference as a whole, fun to watch. Uh, it'll be sad. So uh, lasting thoughts, I guess. I, I will spend a little bit more time with the Pac-12 than normal. So I'll leave you with that. I agree with you there, and it's really just a shame that now next year we'll get, we'll go from like you know Stanford and Oregon State at one o'clock, and now it's going to be like Minnesota and you know insert Pac-12 team here. It's just going to be pretty horrible to see uh, see your Midwesterners out there so late. Grayson, hit me with a bold take. I think in a lot of uh, in a lot of years you've seen the SEC have two teams in the playoffs. The Big Ten have two teams in the playoffs. I think for the first time in a potentially ever, I'm going to see a Pac-12 or ACC pull two teams in that playoff picture this year. That's my that's my bold take. I like it. I like it. And I will leave with this. It, uh, it makes me happy and sad to say that uh, Texas is going to make the playoff this year. Sorry about it. All right, coming back, we've got some odds and ends to round up with, and then we'll do everybody's favorite, another top, th- another top three draft this go-around. We'll go with uh, top three tailgate foods. So uh, be thinking, gentlemen, and we will be right back to finish up. All right, we're back for odds and ends. I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the news of the weekend. Rest in peace to 
who we all knew best as Bob Barker from uh, Happy Gilmore, but apparently he also did this whole Price is Right thing. Uh, rest in peace to Bob Barker, 99 years old. He lived a good life. You know, uh, it was it was touching to see all the tributes for a legend in the uh, in the game show and entertainment industry. So, you know, rest in peace to Bob Barker. And uh, you're not Drew Carey is not not that guy. So it, it's disappointing. But rest in peace to Bob Barker, legend, legend of the world. And with that, it's time to get into everybody's favorite segment. We've got the top three draft, top three tailgate foods in your mind. We've already done the draft order. We did a random number generator. I, and I promise there was no bias, I won. Reed will pick second, and then Grayson will pick third, and then we will snake around. So top three tailgate foods. And, you know, as much as I didn't want this number one pick, I didn't want the ball here. I wanted somebody else to make the decision for me. I feel like I have to take I have to take the wing. So I will take the traditional bone-in chicken wing as the number one pick. The value there is is hard. There was there's really no other choice. Well, now here's a guy who, you know, he's versatile. He does a lot for the team, you know, always there for you. A lot of sauces, you know, a lot of options there. Yeah, I'll give you a little pushback there. Uh, can, can be a little messy, you know, depending on the sauces, um, how, the, how the napkin situations. Um, but gotta have so a wet wipe on hand. Gotta have them ready, locked and loaded. Yeah, well, I guess that puts me in the number two here. Um, you know, a lot of fun options, a lot of talented kids here. Um, I think I'm gonna go with nachos. You know, hard to go wrong. You know, you put a nacho table in front of everyone. Um, everyone kind of gets their hand in there. It gets a little messy, um, but, you, but you'll like the solution. So I'm feeling comfortable with nachos in the two hole. I want to, uh, I want to clarify something real quick. Does, does nachos rule out chips and queso? Is, is that ruled out? I feel separate like, entities, separate I entities. Like, I feel I like they are. I, and I feel like there's no other way to go here than with the value in the, in the chips and the, in the queso. There's no other, there's no other opportunity. Velveeta is king, and the man Cade York was kicking field goals for, for that Velveeta for a while. Not anymore, but for a while. I was about to say, not sure we want to touch on that one right now, but uh, yeah. I digress. I, I want him to the Cowboys. The Cowboys need a kicker. Pick my boy up. Um, Grayson snaking around stays with you for the number four. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to consider and stay with the value here. I'm gonna have to go with the the plain old uh, cheeseburger. I think the value is too high in this position to let it slide to uh, to any of you goobs. You know, maybe a little too big, not quite handheld. You know, could be a big bite going in, but this is a solid choice. Solid choice. Let's go to the number five, Reed. Yeah, I was I was kind of thinking that as well. Um, I even thought about bringing out the little burger sliders. Um, but you know what? I'll, I'll cancel that off the list. You know, you did say the burger. Um, that, that's the burger's cousin over there. So uh, I think I'm going to take a little risk here. Um, I, I'm i going to go with the pulled pork sandwiches. Oh, wow. Barbecue. Mm. That's, a, that's, sandwiches. A, that's a contestant not even on my list. That's that's higher level thinking there. Listen, off listen, the I board. Need- that's, it's not the it's not the most popular kid, but you pull you put him out there with, with a with a bunch of people, and at the end of the night they're gone. You don't you don't know how it happens, uh, but but you remember it. So I, I'm gonna go there with my number two. Hundred percent. 
That's fair. That's fair. And, you know, in the number six, I can't believe this value is still here. We're going with the traditional hot dog. You've got to take the hot dog off the board. You know, you throw them on the grill. You just get the buns good in there. A lot of options with toppings. You know, a good solid choice there. Number six hole, that's great value for me there. So we will take the glizzy there. We will take the hot dog. Love, love, love a glizzy pick there. Not a, not yeah. a bad choice at all. And then, you know, number seven, there's so many different ways I can go with this. It's my last pick. I feel like I have to go with something bold here. You know, you could go with like the chocolate chip cookie. It's a good solid option there. But, you know, I think we're going to we're going to go with the tailgate foods. We're going to take that definition a little bit. We're going to stretch it a bit. If you if you get my drift here, we're going with the ice cold beer here in the seven slot. We're kind of stretching the rules, but you get out there, you get the tailgate going. You got to have an ice cold beverage in your hand. So we're going we're going with the frosty beverage there at number seven. Yeah, this play is actually under review. Uh, instant replay here. You know, you know, I think it does stand, so I'll, I'll give you that one. Um, you know, not a lot of great options left here. Um, There's a ton of value on my list. Okay. I'm going to go outside the box here. Uh, there, there are really two that I'm thinking of, but I'm going to go with the bacon jalapeno poppers. You know, those are something that, you know, it, it takes a little maintenance. You got to cook them a little bit. It, it, you got to wrap them. You know, you got to do your thing. Um, they don't last long. Once they're out, they don't last long at all. Um, that, that's a reason to come back the next, the following weekend. They're like, you know what? This guy's different. This food's different. So we're comfortable with that in my three. That's definitely that's, fair. Uh, that's definitely an option that people are coming back for. People are asking about the jalapeno poppers in the future. Um, I think in this spot that there's so much value still left on the board. I could go with veggies and dip. I could go with the nice classic bratwurst. Um, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the page. I'm gonna hit you guys with the with the always elegant yet delicious charcuterie board. Give me the cheese, give me the crackers, and I just smashed your guys' boards. Etzel right now has his mouth wide open. Yeah, you guys let me you guys let me get charcuterie in the ninth overall pick of the draft. Okay, executive decision. We're going another round. We're going for four. We have to finish this off. There's too much value on the board. The charcuterie board, that's a deep cut there. Grayson, we'll snag it around to you. Last pick. Give me a let me let me get to the charcuterie boards uh uh uglier uglier cousin. Um a lot of people don't like it, but typically, you know, I'm a I, I like a little celery, I like a little carrots. Give me give me the veggie and ranch dip. You know, All that goodwill that you just had, you just ruined it with that pick right there. That's a that's a top tier one. That's a platter that you're having at every at every place. Not flashy. Um, you know, there's always some, you know, when you got that, the big wheel, you got the ranch in the middle. Um, there's always some, people don't touch the broccoli. Um, the snap peas, usually, usually some leftover. Oh, yeah. It's not a flashy play, but you know what? I don't hate it. Um, you know, I'd actually like to make, I'd like to say, can this be a five round draft? Cause there, there's still a lot of value on the board. Um, there's two. Here we'll go five. We'll go five. five perfect. Um, awesome. You know what? Uh, Man, a lot of a lot of value here. Uh, I'm gonna go in a little different direction. Um, I'm actually shocked that this is still here. 
I'm going to go with the French fry. You know, it's a, it's a great side. You, you get a bunch of fries and you get ketchup. I mean, how simple is that? Um, loving my list. Don't know how that fell. Um, yeah, you really talented. My only concern with the French fries, if they sit out for too long, you know, that grease kind of builds up and they get a little bit soggy. You've almost got to keep them on the grill just to keep warm a little bit. But yeah, there's very personal play there. I'm not mad at that. Absolutely. There's, there's very few things worse than uh than fries after they've been sitting out for a little bit. That's why uh, you never bring fries home from a restaurant, man. They're they're nasty in that fridge. All right. I mean, I feel like I have the drafts hole right out in front of me with these last two picks of mine. In the four spot, I can't believe it's still on the board. We're going with the chicken tender. We're gonna take the chicken tender off the board. Such a good option. A lot of a lot of variety that's there. You know, you cut them up, you might get some nuggets, you get the tender. It's just a perfect option. We're going with the chicken tender. We got He got the wings and the tender. Yeah, we've got, got the out. chicken market cornered. I mean, it's got we've got the grill covered here. I, I don't know how I could do any better. Strong list, yeah. And then wrapping up in the five spot, pulling on my heartstrings a little bit, we're going with the street tacos. You know, you get the little corn tortillas, you roll them up, they're just versatile. You can go with the you go with the the steak. You got the chicken. You got the salsa, the guacamole. I mean, it's the perfect option for my five spot. So we're gonna round it out with the street taco. I like it. All right, yeah. Back to me. Um, you know, a couple ways I could go here. Um, I got two picks that I like. I think I'm gonna go with uh, mac and cheese. Some homemade mac and cheese. Um, you know, it's a great Super Bowl food. You know, it's, it's a great holiday food, but it, it makes its way into the tailgate too. So um, I'm going to round up my board with mac and cheese. That's a, that's a solid one. There's nothing like a, when you pull up to one of your buddy's houses and their mom just makes that, that mac and cheese, man. That Spin the spoon around in there and that thing's, thing's just good. You know what it sounds like, Grayson. You know what it sounds like. <laughs> Indeed we do. Uh, in this in this five slot, you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot of value still on the board. Uh, I'll say that. If we had if we had anybody else with us, the value'd probably be almost almost shot. But I'm gonna go with uh, this is a controversial one. You know, some people like this, some people don't. But uh, me personally, I could probably eat a whole entire twelve pack of these cookies. Give me the give me the soft the soft shortbread those not shortbread the soft cookies with the with the pink frosting on the top those uh, sugar cookies that everybody knows about <laughs> yeah oh yeah you all know what i'm talking about that the value <laughs> is high there i've got to say that's a strong pull that's an interesting because it's like in reality are they very good i mean it's not like the best thing you ever had but you keep going back for more and you can't stop yeah those so, are they're, they're hot they're a hot cookie especially a little you- get them anywhere do you throw them in the cooler though i mean do you keep them cool in the cooler or do you let them kind of bake out there a little bit if you're if you're out tailgating you gotta rest them in the cooler but if you're in the house they're they're fresh on the counter room temperature ideal i agree with you there that's a strong list there gentlemen we'll get this we'll get this pulled out and we'll tweet it out and see if we can't uh crown a champion here but that's a strong list there by the boys so Good stuff there. If you made it this far, thanks for listening. Give us a uh, give us a five star rating and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And 
We will be back on Wednesday. Week one of college football is here, and we can't wait to preview some of the games. Then we'll hit you with another top three draft. Reed will join us again, so I can't wait to bring it to you. For, for my guy Grayson and for Reed joining us again, thank you so much, and we will see you later. Peace. Peace.